Everything at the Movies is a proud member of the I Did Not Make These Rankings podcast network. Other shows in the network include Mass Debaters, The Sip List, Crushgasm, Love is Black, Men are the Prize, Crime Rewind, and Literature Reapers. You can find out all about our shows and more at idnmtrpodcastnetwork.com. Happy listening. On the afternoon of August 13th, 2023, two friends embarked on a further descent into the rabbit hole known affectionately as the Texas Chainsaw Massacre series. On this episode, we discuss their third installment of the original series. As we travel further away from the source material, we find ourselves in a bizarro land where not even Vigo Mortensen is safe. A world where we learn that clowns are food and technology is our friend. As the squeaky need killer approaches us in the night, we find ourselves asking, have we gone too far? I say, we have not yet gone far enough into this void. And welcome back to everybody's favorite movie-based podcast. This is An Evening at the Movies. I am your incredibly excited to be here, yet tired host, Casey. And this is the podcast where we eat stale popcorn, drink watered-down sodas, and discuss all of our favorite movies and why we love them. Joining me, well, for those of you who could not tell (laughs) from the introduction, but we are joined on this episode by everybody's favorite Leatherface enthusiast himself, Mr. Chancey Greif is with us. Welcome back, Chance. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Uh, so for the fact, well, at the same time, you've been on the show enough that most of our regulars know where they can find you and what you're all about. But if there's, any, sure. if there's any newbies coming into the equation since we are officially as of last week dropping episodes on youtube as we speak so if you want to watch an evening at the movies not just listen check us out on youtube as well i will be posting links all over social media so that you can find the episodes every wednesday i haven't decided morning afternoon evening sometime wednesday you'll get the video as well as you can listen to it in the traditional fashion on Spotify, Apple, Google, all of those others as well. But um, introduce yourself to the audience, though, Chance. I am a co-host on Maniacal Music Musings, a host where myself and my co-host uh, get ourselves a guest, and the three of us all pick a CD, and then we review it, label our top fives, yeah, dude, that Bruce Springsteen episode was pretty awesome. I I, I have it actually still in my other book. Um, we also do funny little brackets. Um, you know, currently on a bit of a small hiatus, but that's no thing but a chicken wing because we'll bounce back better than, the, you know, than Muhammad Ali had swing. Damn. <laughs> uh, you got the verbal skills today. Yeah, yeah, I'm on one today. <laughs> So, definitely, if you have not checked out Maniacal Musical Musifications, 
<laughs> I knew it was uh-huh. coming. Because I at least once have to throw the mispronounced name on. God damn it, that wasn't what I wanted to click on. The mispronounced oh, no. on. Because um, Amanda and I do that all the time. Too. That's hilarious, too. It really is. And what makes it even funnier is the fact that it gets Jeremy, Chancey's co host, so freaking flustered when we do it. He's <laughs> just like, wait, 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 what? It's maniacal music musings. <laughs> yeah, maniacal musical musifications. Yeah, that one. So, but yes, I definitely, I've been on MQ one time and we discussed Bruce Springsteen, we discussed Queen, and. Jeremy brought a band to the table who, for life of me, I don't remember the name of the band, but their music, or at least that album, had a very Stephen King, Dark Tower feel to it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that because that was why he picked it for you because it had the Stephen King yeah. connection. So, yeah. Definitely a fun episode. I enjoyed myself thoroughly and if the good Lord is willing, I would love to go back and revisit again, maybe different. Well, obviously different albums again, but. Oh, absolutely. I enjoyed being on the show. So. Oh yeah. Um, we, we love having you for sure. Before we get into the meat and potatoes of the episode. And. I. A couple weeks ago, debuted a new segment on the show where in the intro, we let everybody know how an evening at the movies is doing on Good Pods. And currently right now in the TV and film rankings, top 100 shows, we are ranked number 21 and we are up seven spots from last week. Fuck yeah, dude. That's really, really fucking awesome. Um, as well as I need to flip over to the other one because Dre reminds me I forget it every week and I don't (laughs) (laughs) but then I have to scroll down the list to find it because it's not a spot that we've been consistently so um as far as the top 100 shows go, and I'm seeing right now, Crushgasm is number 33 on the top 100 shows. Masturbators nice. is 56 on the top 100. And evidently, we this last week fell out of the top 100. But that's all right. We're going to bring but it back. Masturbators and Crushgasm are ranked, so definitely lots of love for them. Um, for those of you in the Facebook groups, I will be screenshotting everybody in the show's rankings and posting them on both the network Facebook group and I will post them in the an Evening at the Movies group as well, just because we're all doing really well with our shows and that deserves to be celebrated and recognized. So definitely hats off to the other members of the network as well and all the hustle and hard work that they put into helping maintain great quality shows for our 
listeners to listen to. So thank you guys for being there and thank you for helping support each and every one of our shows. We appreciate every one of you. With all that said, in case you missed it during Chancey's introduction, we are here this week to discuss Leatherface, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. That was nice. That was nice. The Did you? Three. Did you? Well, that actually was, literally was just my phone texting right at the That's right awesome. That's so awesome. Literally, I got a damn Facebook text right at the moment that I needed that freaking dream. <laughs> so, wow. That shit will never happen again, so don't plan on ever getting that to happen again. <laughs> but, all right. So, the meat and potatoes of the information on this movie, Texas Chainsaw 3, released on January 12th, 1990, was directed by Jeff Burr. Yep. Was bought for, bought, Paid for and released and distributed by New Line Cinema, otherwise known yes. as the House, the house that, that Freddie Belt. Freddie Belt, thank you very much. Yep. It had a budget of $2 million. And as my esteemed guest on the episode, would you like to guess what its box office was? In uh, you, you said it was $3 million for the budget? Two. Oh, two. Okay. I'm going to guess they barely made half of it back. Uh, almost got three times back. Wow. The, bo- the box office was $5.8 million. <laughs> that's that's Again, crazy. Not to spoil one of our next episodes, but if you think that is bad. I'm curious to see what the differential between the budget for next generation and that box office number is going to be because I know good and hell well that number if that number has a box office it can't be much more than a million dollars. Yeah. I know. I mean that that movie went through hell. Release, release hell slash purgatory where it was released under one name, pulled off out of theaters, re-released under the next generation, blah, blah, blah. And you can't say, oh, well, it had Matthew McConaughey and Renee Zellweger in it. N- nobody knew who those two were when that movie came out. Facts. I mean, literally, it came out, and I think the first time it was set to be released was they were fresh out of the University of Texas at the time. I believe that's and, correct. And very young actors. Then it got pulled out. And then when they both broke, started breaking through and get, started gaining popularity, yep. that's when they decided to go back and re-release. So if that movie has a box office at all, it is because of the fact that <laughs> yeah. Dazed and Confused and freaking Jerry Maguire helped that shit out. Yeah. Really yeah. You're not wrong, sir. You're not wrong. <laughs> So yeah, five point eight million dollars. Um, Rotten Tomato score. You want to take a guess on what that score is? Uh, I don't know, seventy. Lucky thirteen. Is it thirteen? <laughs> thirteen. 
15% on 16 ratings with a four, <laughs> with a 4 out of 10 average. Oh man. That is I mean that's rough. <laughs> that's very rough. And I feel like this is one of those movies where um I mean it's not entirely unjustified. <laughs> it's not but if there had been Rotten Tomatoes and the internet doing what it does now, what, 33 years ago when this movie came out? Right. Then I feel like the score probably would have been a lot lower. Probably. So, um, well, actually, I don't know. It made double its money back. So, I mean, <laughs> just over double. Almost triple. See, that's what I'm saying, though. Like, I don't know. That's kind of... I mean, it it probably would have went either way. (laughs) It might have got 20%. I would say... Yeah, they probably... But it probably would have also scored higher, too, though. Like, four... Like, rather than four, it probably would have been, like, five, maybe six sometimes. True. Just because of the fresh and new that that dude that initial teaser trailer was fucking bomb. The Excalibur fucking teaser trailer, like yeah, you. I mean, they pretty much fucking they had nowhere to go but down. Really, after that fucking after that fucking uh, trailer came out, it was so good. And then all of a sudden, you know, the movies. I, I we keep we keep saying this stuff, but in all reality, I have to say I do enjoy watching the movie. So uh, for some, I actually like the fourth one better than the third one, but that's just for other reasons that we'll get into later. Yeah, we're definitely going to get into it because one of my discussion questions has to deal with legacies and franchises and all of that as well. But um, before we get into the discussion, we got one more really quick bit of information to get out there just because Amanda recommended it a couple months back and it's actually not a bad idea because um, for those of you listening to the episode and feel like you haven't seen it, but you're willing to listen to us talk about it first before you go see it, we appreciate that and we appreciate listens whenever they come, whether it's pre or post viewing but also to let you know if you have not seen or want to go back and rewatch texas chainsaw 3 um it is not available to stream free on the interwebs you are going to have to go to sites like apple amazon google youtube whatever the case may be and spend two dollars and 99 cents for the movie to rent. Yeah. And we'll get to our thoughts on whether or not you should definitely spend $2.99 to watch this movie when we get to the review at the end of the episode. <laughs> I'm not spoiling shit right now. Hashtag, it may not be a favorable review coming, but I'm not spoiling <laughs> nothing until we get there. You're going to have to sit through this episode just like Chansey and I before you get to the juicy tidbits. 
that considering the movie we're talking about has definitely a new meaning. Um, all right. So obviously for the hardcore diehard fans of the show, one of the first discussion questions we always, well, the first two discussion questions we throw out there every episode. Um, what about this movie do you find most fascinating, intriguing? Um, are there any good aspects of the movie that you absolutely love? Yeah. Um, I thought that it was fascinating how the family always kind of recoagulates in some capacity. Kind of like, you know, Quicksilver or Blood, you know, coagulated blood. But like, also, I like the the way that, you know, the people writing and the producers and whatnot, I like the idea that they kind of lean into some of the personality quirks. Like after Chop Top, they were kind of like, oh, this works. Let's do this. The hitchhiker kind of yeah. planted the seed. The cook germinated it. Chop Top cultivated it. And then progressively as it goes on for the rest of the original series, mind you, uh, it just it's essentially... Yes, yes, this is true. Uh, it, it turns God. into this... <laughs> I I ought I stop it. You what we that's next show. <laughs> yes, that is next. Tune in next time for next generation discussion. But I liked the um you know it, it, it the fact that the the uh, oh shit. Tinker. Tinker's his name. The uh I liked that element. Because that's not really something that you would kind of expect to see from a reclusive family that, you know, barely has electricity, let alone running water. Yeah, I think for the most part, I think you get a little bit of that from Toby's OG movie. but Just a little. Yeah, not it's not a whole lot. Um you really start to get deeper into that familial element mm-hmm. and all of that with both part two and part three. Yep. And the, and the quirkiness where, um, I mean, my, probably my one biggest thing that I latched on do with this movie is to me this movie felt like it was new line trying to pull things back to yeah the style the style that toby created for the movie yeah Albeit, i can definitely see that no i'd i definitely see what you're saying there like they ago. they tried to in their own way forcefully bring it back to that original feel but that's just impossible to do because they didn't have, you know, Toby or the original writer, you know, the people that had the whole premise of the idea for the story itself. 
Yeah. And I don't know why, for the life of me, I, growing up, always, because I never, as a kid, paid attention to the cast and all of that stuff on movies like Texas Chainsaw. But for some stupid reason, I always thought Gunner had a lot bigger role in the franchise than what he did. He no, only played sadly. Leatherface one, one freaking time. Yeah. Unfortunately. He is wildly, yeah. He is widely rec- or recognized as being the Leatherface, even though there was a different guy for part two, it was a different guy for part three. Yep. Not going down the part four episode road just yet. But, and then obviously you can't, with the reboots and all of that, you have. Although Gunner was in the reboot, one of the reboots. He, um, the one, yeah, the one where Bill Mosley plays uh, a younger version of the cook where they're having that family meeting. Gunnar Hansen's a part of that family that gets killed. I totally forgot. Did about I just that. blow your fucking? Uh, I was gonna say, did I just blow your fucking mind? Well, kind of, sort of, because I did hadn't either. I forgot that, or I had not realized that. Yeah, but it just go that right there goes to show you how long it's been since I've watched the reboots. And it's been a while for me too, but I always remember seeing them like, ah, oh, oh, <laughs> right. I mean, Gunner is one of those iconic, like, he is to Texas Chainsaw what Nick Castle was to Halloween, what Robert was to Nightmare on Elm Street, what Doug Bradley is to fucking Hellraiser, or. Kane was to Friday the 13th. And again, at the same time, Kane was not freaking Jason Voorhees that much of the damn franchise either. No, not really. He wasn't. Uh, like maybe three or four of them. No, it was more than that. No, I guess he probably was about half of the franchise. Because you have to yeah, remember part, part one was Mom. Right. Then two is somebody three. else. Three was somebody else. Yep. Four and five, I think, were somebody else. And then like six, seven, eight, nine. Ten, eleven, twelve. Or yeah, ten eight, nine, ten. And then Freddy versus Jason. Oh no, I know. They replaced no. him on that. They replaced that was dumb. That was one of the first things I knew as soon as I had seen that. I was like It was gonna be terrible. Fuck you for you guys, I respect what they were trying to do with the movie, but at the same time, it's like, no. If you're going to do this truly and respectfully, it needs to be Robert versus Kane because those are the two people who truly made those characters. Fun fact. Dun, 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 dun. Kane Hodder has played Jason Voorhees, Freddy Krueger and Leatherface. I actually had that in my notes to bring up because ah. I saw it while doing the research for this episode that he was yeah. actually in line 
to be Leatherface in this movie. Oh, he was a stuntman. Well, and he was also one of the choices, but it didn't work out. And no, nah, they went with the other guy. They went with the other guy who ultimately ended up getting the part and yeah. being this version. Yeah. Of the right. Leatherface. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was really pissed off that they didn't give him a schnazzy suit, dude. That fucking suit was so badass. Oh, yeah, dude. That suit is like freaking like That would be like taking Freddy out of the, the sweater. Side. Sweater. Or, yeah, taking dude, Jason, sure. or taking Jason and, and or Michael Myers out of the dark gray coverall jumpsuits. Yeah, suits. that's a fact. There's a lot of fun little triangle twists with this movie. Mm-hmm. It's not my favorite one. Cause my favorite one is like Bill Paxton and Lance Hendrickson who were killed by the alien, the predator and the uh, Terminator. I always thought that was pretty cool. But uh, so uh, Bill Butler, the guy who played uh, Ryan the whiny the whiny boyfriend he was killed by fucking Jason in a Friday the 13th movie killed by Leatherface and then also i believe he was all in the he was in the remake of the Night of the Living Dead series so he had quite the horror resume himself oh yeah not only with acting but directing and writing as well cuz he wrote like all the gingerbread uh, ginger dead man movies and fucking He's got a long fucking resume for the business. Hashtag, if you like B-horror movies, definitely. Fucking for sure. <laughs> need to check out and pick Chansey's brain because I admit I love horror movies like there's no other. But the man on my right, your all's left, has B-horror movie knowledge like there is no other. I mean, we literally could do an episode of this show where we just... Chansey's recommendations on great B-horror movies to check out and watch. Oh, Motel Hell. Motel Hell, right off the top of my head, for sure. Motel Hell. Silent Night, Deadly Night would be on that list somewhere. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep. The original Black Christmas. You know what? Why don't we do that? For a special bonus episode in October, why don't we bring in Chansey himself and let him recommend some great off-the-wall B-horror movies for everybody to watch? Because everybody gives all the credit and love to the Friday the 13th, the Nightmare on Elm Street, the Halloween, the big A-list slasher movies. But horror is so much more than just Freddy, Michael, Jason, Chucky, those big main market, mass market, blockbuster, for lack of a better term, horror movies. Which is why that we're doing what we're doing for an evening at the movies that month. And we're talking straight horror, no slashers. Because we've done a lot of slashers the last two years. And with the fact that there's no Halloween this year. There is absolutely no reason for us to be talking about slashers. Let's give some recognition to the Sweeney Todds and 
some of the other come on sweeney todd's a slasher killer don't be fucking that come on he's a slasher by word for word definition of the title yes 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 um but we're going to be discussing (laughs) some great other aspects of horror as well for sure so i don't remember exactly what all we've got on the schedule because that is buried so deep on facebook but within the next few weeks you'll be starting to hear what we've got coming up as soon as we start looking at so um oh my god some of the freaking dialogue in this movie to bring it back and get back on track again right uh um I mean, we know what like to do with those parts. <laughs> well, it, it's not like it's like the epic greatest freaking phrases ever written. They're funny and hilarious, but oh, like, literally like the first thing I remember, like creamy breakdown of body fat. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. Ugh. <laughs> Poison Crisco. That exact. Then you literally followed up with a further explanation of that creamy breakdown of body fat. Being oh well, it technically it's just poisonous Crisco. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, militant lumberjacks. Yeah, militant lumberjacks. See him all the time. <laughs> Dude, I want to know what the fuck he gave them, to be bluntly honest. Because for real, though, like they were like, no, seriously, we got to watch out for the bad guys. Fucking what the fuck? Right? Fucking A, man. Speaking of Ken 4A, though, uh, he, so like in the original alternate ending, like he was supposed to die. So, he would have then had his own little interesting triad where he would have been killed by Michael Myers, Leatherface, and then he was in one of the Return of the Living Dead films. The remakes. It's a small world after all. And then, uh, moving forward with Viggo Mortensen's character, Tex, I honestly think that that role in Leatherface and then his portrayal of Lucifer and fucking the prophecy are probably the two some of the some of the best acting as far as for this setup. Cause I will go on a whole tirade about Matthew McConaughey in the next episode because for fuck. So I don't know if Chance the rapper has this in his notes at all either. But um, now that he brings up the fact that the star of this movie technically is Vigo the Cruel himself, Vigo Mortensen. And if you go back and look at the fact Jeff Burr was not one of their first choices to be director of this movie, one of their original choices to be the director of this movie is a man by the name of Peter Jackson. Yep. Who... If you fast forward some, what, 10, 15 years into the future, Viggo Mortensen became nothing against the stuff he did in his early career, but Viggo became, bam, 
big market actor with a little franchise called The Lord of the Rings that was directed by bum 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 Peter Jackson. Jackson. So realistically, those two almost have a connection that would be almost what a decade, decade and a half longer had Peter gotten and to three. I don't remember the I don't remember the name of the zombie movie that Peter Jackson directed, but I always make the point that like basically everybody who's super famous ends up getting their break in a scary movie, it, whether it be Kevin Bacon or you know Matthew McConaughey, which is necessary isn't necessarily the case in his thing, but every, he did his start. It's like you got to pay. Yeah, it's like you got to pay your dues in a scary movie before you can elevate to a different, you know, a different so, uh, level. Here's my. Here's my thought on that. I agree absolutely 1,000% with this. And to me, it harkens back to um, the number two greatest horror franchise of all time. For those of you who don't know, that would be Halloween. Ah. <laughs> I say that only because I know that it pisses Amanda off when I say that. <laughs> because she and I are never going to agree on official position for the show as to which one is number one and which one is number two. I will yeah, always stand yeah. on the hill of Nightmare on Elm Street. She will always stand on the hill of Halloween. Both are great, iconic franchises. We just have to accept the fact that we're never going to agree. So she can have her side at the top of the mountain. I will have mine. <laughs> and we'll live happily ever after. But I mean, it could be a co-main event. I mean, I almost would have paid more money to see Freddy versus Michael than Freddy versus Jason. Which should say something in and of itself right there. Which, um, don't, don't get me wrong, it was basically prick tease to us for a long time since the end of um, Jason Goes to Hell Final Friday with the whole yeah. Yeah. pulling the mask into the ground. Um, but, yeah, no, I... Unfortunately, this is the sucky part to have to realize now, is we're never going to get a true another Nightmare on Elm Street movie. It's probably done. In a, Robert is too old to do it. And yeah. It's going to have to be a reboot. And to me, I don't want another reboot unless they're going to take the time and effort to find the perfect, perfect person. To Nothing against Jackie Earl Haley. I was going to say, Jackie Earl, Jack Earl Haley did a really good job. I just think that they fucked with the actual story too much for it to fucking be any good. Yeah, and... Ultimately, we will get to Nightmare on Elm Street 2010 at some point. I'm not in any rush, so hashtag <laughs> stay tuned a long way down the road for that episode. In a galaxy far, far away. I mean, at the same time, I also said the same thing about Rob Zombie Part 2 and did <sighs> that episode last year, too. So I mean, we could have just not. <laughs> I mean, it's 
it is what it is. And more than likely, now that I say stay tuned for a long time, because I'm not doing that episode. <laughs> it's going to be probably, pro- probably by 2024, we will have sat down and discussed Nightmare on Elm Street 2010. So, realist, it's coming. Just be patient. Um, what else? Did- oh, the twisted freaking line that Vigo has while well, he's got what was it michelle in the chair and he's literally slowly nailing her hands to the armrest whack so whack. so how do you like texas now yeah yeah that was awesome <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like you sick sadistic son of a bitch or um, mama so- mama sawyer from mr belvedere like I, I was saying before we started, I when I first watched it, I actually thought it was Miss Garrett from fucking The Facts of Life, <laughs> and I was just like, hey, I was a kid, so I'm waking up before to go, you know, going to school and whatnot, watching The Facts of Life on TV, and then like, I see this movie and I think it's fucking Miss fucking Garrett. I'm just like, oh my god, no, they got you too. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, speaking of mama, though, one of my other favorite lines: "Look, mama, colored drawers, California." California. <laughs> I'm like, that literally, what I found hilarious because, like, when Amanda and I started um, doing our watch party and started rewatching this episode, that was one of the first things I chimed in on was. Literally Ryan's freaking monotone or monochromatic 1980s, early 90s outfit. Yeah. Because he was like dark gray, had a light gray undershirt, then freaking dark gray freaking slacks. And it's like, okay, for one, in the Texas heat, dark colors are not good because you'll sweat like a motherfucker through that shit. Yeah. And two... (laughs) I don't remember the 80s being that drab and overly dramatic, monochromatic. Right. I, I'm in day glow, freaking parachute pants. Even in the early <laughs> 90s, MC Hammer pants. Yep. You didn't have to freaking go gray on gray on gray, fool. Well, you know, they splashed in a little red, threw some color on it. <laughs> It's not for about another 20 fucking minutes, though, after he freaking... <laughs> Dude, the guy at the gas station, Alfredo, that the whole part where the where Benny confronts him and whatnot, and he's like, listen, mister, I don't like, I don't like you pointing this gun at me. It's like, it's, <laughs> it's just so out of touch with what's fucking happening. Is it soup yet? Oh shit! Fucking oh my god! Although I am disappointed as fuck with Benny for real though, because you know when he's going to save Michelle, he wasn't even able to fully load his magazine, which I don't even understand. Like, okay, pop like five or ten in, and then grab a fistful of bullets and put them in your fucking pocket and get the fuck out of Dodge. I don't know. Just thinking out loud. Or yeah. bring the can. Bring the, bring the can. Bring it with you. It's fucking portable. You got a lid? Fucking buy Felicia. 
because at the end of the day, I mean, you're being, it's a frantic moment where, you know, you're running for your life or defending your life. You don't just have a freaking a hundred thousand minutes to just sit there and just click, 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 and just fill the entire magazine up. Yeah. Just get a few in there. Get the fuck to a safe place. Continue to fill. Defend. And he's also, like, supposed to be a prepper, so, like, that muscle memory, you know, quote-unquote. Benny had, to me, a feel like the trucker in Rob Zombie. The first one? Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, it's the same guy. See, that's where Rob Zombie, I appreciate the fact that Rob is a fan of the genre, because... Definitely, Rob will throw tidbits like that into his movies. Right. I'm not saying they always work out for the same. I knew for right. some reason Fucker looked a lot more familiar than I thought he did, though. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. He, uh, but but he's like I said, he's he's there to save Michelle while she's in the house, all hammered to the to the chair and whatnot. Dude, he's fucking handing out them bullets like it's Halloween candy. What in the actual fuck, dude? Like that's just uh-huh. that bad prepping. That's not pre- that. He, oh, I'm a prepper. I'm a weekend warrior. Fucking what the fuck, man? Evidently, not that great of a freaking weekend he, warrior. Not prepared. <laughs> Ill prepared, indeed. I mean, shit. At least he lived, you know, in the way they in the in the way they ended up putting it out. For yeah. some reason, even though he took a whole chainsaw to the side of the fucking head. And that sept dude, that water had to be fucking septic so bad. All those fucking body parts floating in it. Yeah. yeah. Again, creepy body fat. What was it? Creamy it breakdown about body fat. Yeah. Yeah. Poison poisonous Crisco, but yet you have all the body parts floating around in that book. That's a gangrene gumbo right there. <laughs> oh my god, that uh <laughs> all right. So um as far as okay, so one of the things that I love about this entire franchise is the simplicity of the whole entire story, the style in which it's made, everything, all of that. Um, do you think this two-part question? One, do you think the simplicity helps or hurts the movies in this franchise? And two, would a 21st century complete reboot and re and ramp up help ramp up the horror in the franchise? Because by today's standards, you're going to get a little more freedom to do and show stuff that you obviously weren't given the freedom to do by the MPA back in the eighties and nineties. That's a really good question. Um, if they were able to maintain the simplicity of the circumstances themselves and then also found a way to appropriately tie in the overall 
overarching narrative that the fourth one was trying to illustrate, which, of course, we'll get into on the next episode. I, uh, I really think that if we did, like, if it, it also, like, just drop the new reboots and all this, like, I, I, it's not that I don't like it. I, I, that's not it at all. Oh. It's just that I think that what the first four were going for, if it was given that opportunity for a full reboot with the ability to maintain the simplicity and connect the overarching narrative, I really think it would be a good and interesting series. Because, like, the connectivities between one, two, and three with the reveal of the overall narching narrative of four, because, you know, Stretch makes her cameo in the third film as that reporter on the side of the road. So she finally got out to do her news reporting like she was looking to do. Yeah. So, like, all that interconnected nature, because, like, you know... In the second one, Lefty was there to avenge the death of his niece or of his nephew and subsequent death of his niece because then she died later. Yeah. And then that movie, if it had played out like it wanted to, it was going to show that that Stretch was Lefty's daughter. So then in turn, she carries on after he dies, chasing them and reporting the news on them into the third one. I mean, it, 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 it's simple as far as how the victims end up in where they're at, but they also had a way of being able to try to tie in a, a bit more of a complex narrative. But the, the one thing I think they would have to do a better job of which is something they tried to do in the fourth one, which obviously we'll get to, is how they replenish the numbers of the family. Yeah, because in Toby's movie, I don't remember the family being as big as obviously what it is at this point. Then it wasn't, because like, you had... You lose people in the OG, you lose people in two, you lose people in three, but yet the family still continues to maintain or even expand more and more. You inbred motherfuckers. If, you know, and sometimes if they're even related, like that little girl in the third one, that's Leatherface's daughter. Because of the uh, offhanded comment that uh, Vigo made, he's, you know, should let Leatherface play. He makes the damn, he makes the cutest damn babies. Uh Uh-huh. And then that's when, you know, Grandma's like, well, we know what to do with them parts. I really really do think that if it was given the appropriate attention that it would require, that a full reboot of the original series could actually be a new renaissance to the genre, like the series, like not series, not just the series, but the genre itself. So here's, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say my thought and seriously, for those that know mine and Amanda's history, we have the phrase Guma 
get out of my head. <laughs> you literally just regurgitated every uh, one of my thoughts as well. Nice. Um, if you're going to do a complete reboot of this franchise, it needs to be you take Jessica Biel and Jordana Brewster and throw them into garbage. And yeah. The other Leatherface movie as well. I mean, good. Yeah. Even though te- technically not sequel, not, I mean, that technically goes back to, it gets muddy as to the whole, again, continuity. You yeah. need to have, I don't know why this is such a hard concept for studios to grasp, but especially when it comes to horror movies, you need to have consistency because you're not, go- especially back when we were kids, you're not going to have people that are automatically go from point A to point B and watch everything in order. Right. Where, um, so you're going to have to be able to have entities where people can come into the franchise, but yet still pick up enough. That they can go back at a later date and figure out it's not as hard to do now with streaming and DVDs and all of that at our disposal. It was a lot more complicated back in the, you know, pre nineties. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, it, it's very, you definitely have to get, you have the main key though, is you have to keep that simplicity because at the same time, that's the uniqueness of this entire franchise that Toby set up incredibly well is that first movie is so gritty. It's so raw. It's so amazing. I mean, you feel like when you're watching that movie, you're in that world. You can feel the Texas heat from all of that. You, mm-hmm. you, you can almost, for lack of a better comparison, you can almost smell the decomposing bodies in that house. Right. You know, you feel, you know, the flies buzzing around your head while you're venturing through the house. I mean, you, this is why Toby and Wes and John are two uh, or three of the most iconic directors of all time. They can very much take you into that world and submerge you into that environment that they want you to be a part of and make mm-hmm. you feel like you're third person, you know, yes. watching yes. as everything's going on. And I love that about them so much that it almost feels like certain aspects of other directors that have come in and taken over the franchises after they did their parts really had no idea what the hell they were doing because they gave us these movies that had no basis into the reality of what John and Wes and Toby were trying to create. Yeah. Not, not saying that some of the sequels in these movie in these franchises weren't great or no, I get what you're saying though. But I mean, I hearken back to, you know, my go-to will always be nightmare on Elm street. Like one being the OG is a great movie. Three, I honestly feel like Chuck Russell overdid the original and probably superseded the original. 
yeah, or at least yeah. or at least they're at least on the same level. I could agree for, to both. For for my own personal love and nostalgia, it's the four is the first movie that I very secretly um, played my mom against my dad and got my dad to take me to go see the movie because mom said, go ask your dad. So I went and asked dad and I told him mom said, if you, so, Oh, okay. Well, I guess it's okay. Then he took and loaded me and my brother up in the car and took us to go see nightmare on street four. That's <laughs> not what my mom had said. She's like, go ask your dad. She didn't want to have to be the, you know, Bad Exciting guy. factor, yeah, right. And she expected he'd put his foot down and say, "No, you're still a little." Technically, we were probably a little bit old for that shit, or young for that shit. But <laughs> I remember coming home after that movie and having some fucked up dreams. But um, that's the beauty of Nightmare on Elm Street. But um, then you get the weirdness of what you got with. Um, Dream Child. Yeah. And then Freddy's dead and then Wes came back and you had New Nightmare, which I know people that absolutely positively hate New Nightmare. I am not a hater. of. I give Wes Craven credit for trying to take and twist things around and breathe new life into the franchise. Because clearly, by that point, Nightmare on Three had gotten stale. Yeah, so I, I hated it when it when it first came out, but I've grown to appreciate it as its own standalone. And that's how you have to look at it too. Is it's a great yeah. Again, like Season of the Witch. It, I personally, if and there's a reason why I call it Season of the Witch and not Halloween Three. Season of the Witch. I feel like if you take Halloween Three off of that title it more yeah. fits into the whole idea of okay just call it season of the witch it's a great horror movie yeah is it a great part of the halloween franchise to no. me my definition of the franchise is michael myers and all donald of that pleasance don definitely donald did i'm sorry that he his last entry into that franchise had to be that fucking hot garbage. I don't know. I, I, I have a guilty pleasure when it comes to Halloween six, the curse of Michael Myers. I like it. Spoiler alert. Um, we definitely are going to be getting chance, the rapper and Amanda together for curse of Michael Myers. Again, I will give Manda more than enough warning because I can guarantee you her is going to have to be high as fuck for that episode. She That's can't right. stand that movie. Her, <laughs> you know how much she loves Halloween. Yeah. That movie definitely puts a big, huge dent in the armor how much she loves it doesn't it's not going to you know right completely change anything but there's definitely a dent in the armor that's created by um curse of michael myers she has gone on record numerous times the only thing she loves about that movie is paul rudd right right 
So, I like the guitar. Yeah. I like the guitar work with the in with the uh, theme, and the I, guitar and the soundtrack is all pretty awesome. My biggest flaw that I have with Curse is one thing: the Curse or the Cult of the Thorn. Yeah, five words. It's like seriously, are you're seriously going to chalk up the entity that is Michael Myers to a fucking cult? Are you kidding me? Yeah, I get that. I can get that. But at the same time, it's... Again, it's some of that stuff like I was talking about with where everybody went after Wes with Nightmare on 3. It's some of the things, some of the directions, some of the other directors went with... You know as well as I do. The Halloween storyline from point A being the OG to Halloween ends. There's so many twists and turns and trees, branches that come off that family tree. Oh, yeah. Oh, Jesus. You have to be a hardcore Halloween fan to be able to follow and keep up with everything that's going on in that. Because you have (laughs) 1 to 2018. You have 1 to... Skip three, four, five, six, blah, blah, blah. The Bloodline story. You have the Rob Zombie storyline. You have the Anthology storyline. You have, oh, dear Lord. <laughs> Are you people freaking kidding? I feel like thinking about that, I'm almost ready to have a chancy size fucking meltdown. That's funny, though. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, do you feel like New Line succeeded? in their idea of making Leatherface more of a singular entity, or does it just have to be the Sawyer family based? You have to have, you have to have the family dynamic. I mean, Leatherface is, Oh shit. That's actually not entirely true. I don't want to paint myself into a corner on that one. It's tough because Toby, kind of sort of tries to set it up with Leatherface being that entity, but then you still have that familial element right here nipping at his heels. Yeah. And then definitely after the first movie and you get into part two and then part three, you've got, it definitely becomes family. Yeah. The Saw is family. Part four, coming soon to an evening at the movies. But like, uh, outside of his psychological nature and his different proclivities, mm-hmm. he, I think he falls a little bit too flat to be a standalone, like of Jason Voorhees or a Michael Myers he has to have the dynamic of that family element. Cause like there's so many things about like in the first one, the original Texas Chainsaw where the cook comes in and never mind all the horrific stuff that's gone on. Look what your brother did to the door. Like, <laughs> come on. I love, that. I love that line. I really I love mean... that. <laughs> Without that kind of stuff, it, 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 
I honestly think that like in a in a perfect world where I'm literally at the helm of this creation of the remake of these four films, blah 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 blah. Lines like that would be required to make sure that the audience had a moment to laugh so they didn't literally fall into insanity. Yeah, because I could see how these movies could take you down that road. Yeah. And that that kind of thing's required. And when you have a possible special needs, possible deficiency type individual who can't even vocalize, you have to have that alternate dynamic to it. Like, yeah, yeah and I understand, you know, Michael Myers doesn't talk. Jason doesn't talk. But they also have those other things that Leatherface doesn't have. Like with Jason, you got the supernatural element. Michael has a certain supernatural element, which they did have to explain, which is kind of why I'm a little bit forgiving about the Curse of Thorn bullshit, but another show for another day. But Yeah, definitely Amanda has to be here for that because she'll have to defend her franchise. Well, there's nothing to defend. I mean, I loved I loved all those movies equally up until... You know, Halloween 3 and then my multiple rewatches of Halloween ends. I've, it's no longer it's no longer is up on the pedestal I put it on when we first watched it. But uh, it hasn't even been a year yet, people. I know that happens, though. I um, I really don't think in any in any in any realm of reality where these movies get remade that they can't have like even when they did the reboot they had to have Arlie Ermey yeah and without him no not at all he is a very underrated actor for lack of a better term yeah he's done done some truly iconic characters horror wise Straight movie wise, whatever the case. I mean, Full Metal Jacket, right? Text Chainsaw, whatever the right. case may be. Just but like, wow, yeah, and, and the, that 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 kind of goes towards the point where that the family's needed, the family elements needed, because you have to have. Well, in, in in one interesting way, I guess, if you wanted to make. Leatherface the standalone at the very beginning of the third it tries to argue that Leatherface is an alter ego by the one Sawyer family member that they had found mm-hmm. at the end of the second one which gets a little bit confusing if you're not deep into the lore that is the entire Texas Chainsaw storyline well I mean that would have had to have been Chop Top that they found yeah which is fucking stupid. It, it, well, the whole thing, because being an alter ego, okay, well, obviously it's not an alter ego by the standard that Chop Top here, but then you have Leatherface over here at the same time. Right. In killing two, you know, trying to kill one person and killing another, you know, yeah. The, the, Nothing against the Sawyer family, but these people are not sharp enough to be able to come up with an <laughs> elaborate plan like, ooh, it's my alter ego, but 
here, you put the mask on and you do all of it so I can freaking hide my... No. No. That's way, way, way too complex. One, for that family. Two, for in general. horror in general. Yeah. You would have lost your audience. Well, you... Unfortunately, for part two, you did start losing some of the casual fans anyway. Which is sad because honestly the second one is probably one of the best ones if you ask me it is by the stand it, yeah and we kind of spent a lot of time talking about it in the last episode as hilarious <laughs> as a lot of those moments are there's definitely some creativity and artistic joie de vivre that's brought out in that movie yeah. Where, unfortunately, New Line, I'm not, unfortunately, unfortunately, however you want to look at it, New Line bought the rights after part two came out. And yeah. they tried, they had a vision for where they wanted to see the franchise go. They tried to ramp it back up and take it back to that level. Yeah. Did it, did it work? Did it not work? You know, at that um, point, I'm, I'm, I pose the question, and I'm just going to throw it out there. Um, you know, if you want, you can go ahead and answer the question and just kind of sort of tie it in with your overall review and rating for the movie. Because, I mean, unless there's a whole lot of other stuff that you want to bring up, it feels uh, like we're about to that, that point anywhere where yeah. you know. So we can kind of sort of move from discussion level and then segue into that. Yeah, for Scissoring. sure. Scissoring. <laughs> so I will let you have the floor, sir. What was the question again? <laughs> I, 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 I lost track of the whole. Um, oh, do I think the new line fucking shit the bed? Yeah, kind of, kind of. I, I kind of do. They really... They really fucking hampered... They really hindered Leatherface's range. Because mm-hmm. like in the first one, he was the scared guy basically trying to protect his house from all these scary people that keep knocking on the door. And then, you know, the second one... Look what he did to the damn door! Look what your brother did to the door! But, like... That's almost like Loomis, and I shot him six times! I shot him in the heart! (laughs) (laughs) But, like... Honestly, man... Yeah, they shit the bed by restricting him in the way that they did. And if I like, if I was gonna go in a five star rating system, I'd probably give it three and a half. Yeah, three and a half. <coughs> Personally, so, I mean, I don't necessarily think that this movie is completely horrible. Um. I again, like we've t- discussed numerous times throughout the episode, I feel like New Line had 
a legitimate idea of what they wanted to do with the movie. Yeah. Did it succeed? For this movie fans taste, I don't think they did. I think that's basically what you were saying is you don't think they succeeded no. with what they were trying to do either. They did um, not. Other ca- more casual fans may feel like they succeeded on a level that, you know, blah, 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 blah. We're not here to shame people's opinions. We all love no. them for different reasons, and it is what it is. Um, so respect for New Line for picking up the mantle and trying to bring shit back to the original. I don't necessarily think it worked. Um, I personally out of five will probably go three and a quarter stars. Yeah. I enjoyed the movie. Um, Again, it's something that if I haven't watched Texas Chainsaw in a while, I'll go back and binge the entire franchise again. Yeah, for Um, sure. Do I feel like that middle part of the franchise is something that I want to, you know, if I fall asleep and take a nap in the middle, oh shit, I had to go back and restart it. Like, okay, I know, no. I know what I've seen. On to the next. Let's keep yep. moving along. Nothing else to see here. Um, yeah. We do have some other stuff coming up in this particular franchise that I'm interested to get to. Um, I'm so excited. (laughs) I'm cautiously nervous for the next episode. Um, The ones I am really more excited about, though, is Michael Bay. And that would be the Jessica Biel reboot. Because I'm not... You're going to have to tune in for that one because... I want to save my opinions on that for that episode because it it's something. We'll leave it at that. Something <laughs> is a good word. There's some mysterious intrigue to it. If you want to know what the definition of something is, tune in in two movies and we will discuss, well, not two movies, I mean, two chancy appearances on the subject and we'll be discussing it. So, um, one last really brief question, though, because we kind of sort of hinted at it with uh, where you can find this streaming online. Um, with the fact that you have to spend $2.99 to see it on Apple, Amazon, Google, or YouTube, do you feel like this movie is worthy of spending $2.99 to see? Yes. I would say yes. If you haven't seen it and you're wanting to go down the line and you know if you're not if you're not buying it in a permanent sense yes that's it's real cheap you're gonna you you get you know you're stuck with it for 48 hours if you hate it you hate it if you don't cool beans think about maybe buying it i mean at the end of the i spent 5.99 and bought the actual dvd just because i had it (laughs) i don't know where that shit went i shit you not so I like. I don't know about other people, but I'm one of those people that, yes, I can watch most of the stuff streaming online, but I'm also, I have 
for a long time. I've had all the Nightmare on Elm Streets. I've had all the Halloweens. For the most part, I had all of the Texas Chainsaw. I have to. I can't just have a half-ass freaking collection. Yeah. I have, I have to have, even if I piece it together with Blu-rays in the middle, I still right. have to have something to connect the whole thing together. I've got all the Texas Chainsaws now. I've got all the Halloweens now. I've got all the Nightmare on Elm Street. I've got all the Friday the 13th. I have every season of Friday the 13th, the TV series, as well. Oh, that's a deep cut. That's dead. Definitely, I wish, other than the freaking European version, you could find a damn copy of Freddy's Nightmares, the TV series. Otherwise, you have to get a subscription on Screenbox, and you can find. Yeah. It. But, um, I would definitely for two ninety nine. Two ninety nine is not a lot of money. Right. So, go ahead if you want to watch the franchise. Yeah. If you're a fan of the franchise, I think. Two ninety nine is a steal, right? Um, like I said, I think I spent five ninety nine for my DVD copy. So if you have to have the physical copy of it to put in your DVD player, that's fine. Five ninety nine. I would still probably spend five ninety nine for that. You don't have to watch it a lot to get your money's worth out of it, right? So definitely, if you are a horror nut like Chancy and Amanda and I are. I recommend checking it out um, at some point. You may not like it. You may like it. It may be your cup of tea. It may not. It is what it is. But definitely check it out. Um, damn. I'm not going to lie. At an hour and 13 and a half minutes right now, this episode went a lot longer than I thought it was going to. Thank you to all the different rabbit holes we went down, though, because that probably added a lot to it. Um, That's what I do. I digress on things. <laughs> this is... And I think that's part of the reason why maybe the episodes that you're on do so well for us listen-wise is because we... You muted yourself. <laughs> you were on the... You were going to say the nicest thing about me. And you're like, you know what's really awesome about you? <laughs> exactly. Out of you, no. I mean, you come on the show and we do great numbers for listens. Oh, I think that's because the list, the listeners enjoy the fact that when we sit down and talk, it's not just very regiment, regimented intro, facts, plot, discussion, review wrap up go home you know it's like just chilling and having a we can literally hit record and just talk and have a conversation yeah. and generally we keep it on track sometimes we view off like we did today with <laughs> elm street and halloween and all that but that's fine it's fun it gives the listeners something else to sit back and enjoy yeah so with all that said um uh, hour and 15 minutes later. Thank you if you're still here listening and watching because we are on YouTube now. Yeah. But if you are still here with us, thank you again from the bottom of our hearts each and every week for being here. You guys are incredible, amazing people, and you guys are the reason why um, myself, Amanda, Shanna, Chancey keeps coming back. We've got a whole bunch of 
I'll I'll get to what's coming up on an evening at the movies after I turn the microphone over to Chancy and let Chancy let the listeners know where they can find all of his deep wit and everything that um he's all about on the interwebs <laughs> and on the podcasting world and all of that. So Chancy, the floor is yours. Shamelessly plug the shit out of yourself right now. Uh, well, they can find me on Facebook under my name, Chancy Grive. Um, Instagram. Oh shit. I gave the secret away again. They're going to find me. Um, Instagram and uh, TikTok is uh, the red eye round table. And uh, on X it's red eye table. Um, yeah. You can find me on, you know, maniacal music musings with Jeremy doing the damn thing. Basically anywhere I can get in, we'll expose, we'll expose myself <laughs> to podcast. <laughs> you, you, you kept talking because I was ready to go down a rabbit hole. You weren't ready for me to go down. Oh maybe yeah, you were ready. Maybe you were ready for me to go down that rabbit hole. I'm you used to it. To There's it. yeah. We've been on enough shows together, whether it's um, M cubed here, network. Yeah. Uh huh. The other yeah uh huh the other show that um we initially met on that shall yep. remain nameless you know which one I'm talking about oh yeah yeah but um <laughs> definitely um I highly recommend you guys check out MCube it is an incredible concept for a show and like I said earlier I had a lot of fun doing that that episode is should probably. Well, I think we recorded it last September, October. So that episode's almost a year old now. I highly recommend you go and find it because it was a fun... I don't even remember how long the episode ran. It was three guys who love music and the fact that I when I brought Bruce Springsteen to the table, I kind of thought maybe I might get some chancy love on that one. I wasn't 100% sure I was going to get Jeremy Love on that one. But at the end of the day, Jeremy may not have been necessarily on the same page as where Chansey and I were. But he still had a healthy amount of respect for the album as well. It was that many episodes ago. (laughs) Probably a good freaking half to three quarters of an inch of paper. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. (laughs) Wow. <laughs> I always oh, every now and then every now and then I'll be like, hey, what was the episode where we did this album and this album? And I'm like, ah, I'm flipping and fucking because like where is it? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I've got probably five or six different notebooks right now floating around here that have um and even get the movie notes in them. It's got literature reaper notes in it. Not that much notes of that because that's only what five episodes deep now. Um, yeah, it's got notes for our. I did not make these rankings podcast network drafts, so I get it. I'm OCD about that kind of shit as well. But speaking of, I did not make these rankings podcast network. You can find an evening at the movies on www.idnmtrpodcastnetwork.com as well as shows like Masturbators, uh, The Sip List, obviously An Evening at the Movies, um, Crime Rewind, Love is Black, Men of the Prize, Crushgasm. I think that's it. 
I don't think I'm, if I missed anybody, I am sorry. I did not <laughs> mean to miss you. Um, as well, um, Literature Reapers has a mid-month episode coming up here in the next few days. So stay tuned for that as well. Um, an Evening at the Movies is dropping new episodes every Wednesday from now until probably the end of October because we're get, we're wrapping up August and getting ready to roll right into Stephen King birthday bonanza month where Amanda and I and Shanna will be looking into the Stephen King movie universe in chronological order, starting with Carrie and working our way through Carrie, Salem Plot, The Shining, Creep Show, which Amanda has already said she will bow out on on that episode. Because evidently there's a part of that movie that really PTSD is in the back of her mind. I get it. It is what it is. But that's part of the reason why we love having Shanna is because Shanna can step in and not leave me hanging high and dry and have to do the episode solo. And then we will close out Stephen King birthday bonanza month with Cujo. So um, also really quick, uh, the actual birthday episode of Stephen King birthday bonanza. We will be joined on the show by Tim Arnold, the host of the overlook a Stephen King podcast who is the reason why Amanda and I met each other to begin with. And also the reason why you have an evening at the movies and the sip list. So we are excited for that episode to come. We need to get going on that so that we can get Tim in. It's been a long time. Tim has taken a break from recording. So we are excited to be able to get him back into the fold and talk about the Stanley Kubrick movie, the shining. So stay tuned for that. Uh, Towards the end of um, September. Then in October, obviously Halloween Horror Fest. And you can find us on social media. I will update everybody as we get closer to that as to what we have coming up. I know that there's Sweeney Todd is in there. I know Buffy the Vampire Slayer is in there. And then there's like four of the movies in between all that. So, And then Gross Point Blank will be the first movie. I can't hear you. Okay. So, oh, my mic cuts out from time to time. So, I don't know what all the last thing was you people heard, but we will just go with the fact that um, 
we will be joined on Literature Reapers very, very soon by yours truly to my right, your left, Mr. Chancey Greif. And we'll yes. The Hellbound Heart, which is the basis for the horror franchise, also known as Chansey. Hell, Hellraiser. So tune in for that as well. I believe that episode will be airing in October. But again, nice. we will keep you updated as to when all of the stuff is coming. I know that's still a little bit down the road. So again, thank you, Chansey, for being here. Thank it's you always for a pleasure. Listening. 18 minutes as I ramp through coming up on an evening at the movies and everything else. Oh, man, it's cool. <laughs> um, and to all you listeners, again, thank you for being here. And I know you're not used to me saying it because the man does normally hear, but we hope you guys come back for uh, an evening at the movies. Have a good week, guys. We'll see you next week. <laughs>